You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on on Cancels? How are you guys doing? Oh man, that was good. Come on now. Today is a special day on the Impact Podcast. Today's a very, very special day. Today, Uncanceled has a very special, special episode. It is the, the one-year celebration of the Uncanceled Podcast. Happy birthday, Uncanceled! It's Uncanceled Turns 1 today. Come on. Come on now. We're That's excited. We're happy to be here right now. Look at the, the great uh, little uh, things here. What are these things? Decoration. Yeah. I don't know. Awesome. Awesome. Decor. Love it. Love it, man. Love it. So, so what do we have here today, Brianna? Why don't you tell us? I made a happy birthday cake for the Uncanceled podcast. Yes. This is a German chocolate cake with a chocolate buttercream frosting. And so for the mm. first time, maybe ever, we're going to rate that cake. cake. Oh, oh. Come on. Let's go. Yeah, we, we nailed that. We didn't, we didn't even talk about that beforehand. He was there. That was good. Let's good job, go. guys. All right. Um. I Had guess we're just going to have a little bit because blue like, we, sprinkles. We, we yeah, it's really a, a large piece of cake. Oh my gosh. This is a big bite. I hope it's good. Mmm. Wow. Mmm. Mmm. I mean, I'll say it. That frosting is really good. It's a bold wow. frosting. Wow. The frosting's really good. Wow. This is a celebration right here. Mm. Celebration going on in my mouth. Mm, party. Really good. So, mm. I will not tell a lie. Uh-oh. The cake is from a box mix. Oh. Womp womp. <laughs> mm. But the frosting is from scratch. And I think it's pretty good. The cake tastes like a just cake. a box cake mix. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, it's a good cake. I- I'm... I would take this over a cake I'd get at a store, like just like that's not in a box. Like, I think you know, the frosting puts it over the top. Yeah, I, I think it's really good. We don't really have much to go on here other than all the cakes that we've had in our life. Like sure. it's not <laughs> like we like have like a rating le- le- like system. An, I'm not an enormous cake person. Me either. I I like cake. I like cake. I especially like cake when it's room temperature. If it's cold, I don't really like it as much. Is this a good um, feel for you? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I could. I mean. I could eat this whole slice and I could probably eat the whole container of it if I was like being like a pig, which I'd never do anything like that, honestly. Over like a I'm, couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely eat it over yeah. a couple of days. I mean, it's a good cake. No, it's good. Um, it's German chocolate. I don't get a ton of coconut in it. So, well, um, the, that's because the coconut would be in the frosting, but I changed mm. the frosting. Oh, okay. So then yeah. it's just a chocolate cake. Basically. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, it said German chocolate on the box. I feel like the cake probably has a little coconut in it because I think I can taste think so? a tiny bit. I don't. I don't really. And I hate coconut, so I would tell I also you. also do. Hmm. Me and Ben have similar food we takes. Do. Well. All right, let's rate that cake. I guess, like, th- th- this is, like, th- it's not really, like, much to rate, you know? Like, it's, like, 
It's box cakes mix and has really good frosting on it. It's but good. It's, it's a thumbs up. It's a thumbs up. It's definitely a thumbs up. I don't really know how to like give it like a grade. I, I guess I'd give it like Can a... Can we just give it a 10 because it's the one year anniversary? Yeah. It's a 10. That's 10s. Good. It's 10s. Amen. It was Tens good. I have no complaints about it. I would eat the whole thing. I said I I'd like eat the, the whole sprinkles. container. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, but that was your choice. Well, to make it look cute. It does look cute, honey. All Very right, nice. Cute. Very Thank nice. You. All right. Happy well, one year. That was Woo! great. Happy one year. I'm going to actually give my hat up because, you know, I don't really want to. Oh, but it looks so cute. I don't want to teach on the Bible with like, yeah. I don't want to be a clown. We don't, we don't need, we don't need to have a clown show here. No clown. Um, I'll give this Love to you, you guys. honey. Happy Keep that cake for me. I'm going to eat birthday. it afterwards. Well, I have, okay. I'll put in your office. Yeah, that's right. Fire. Fire. Thank you, Brianna, for making the cake. Thank you to our uncanceled. Uh, people that have been watching, you've been watching for probably a year now. I know we've had a lot of people that have watched from the beginning. AJ Mitchell has been a watcher since the beginning. Uh, he's been he's been the goat. He's been watching pretty much every single week. We we uh, appreciate you, brother, um, Mr. Grioli. I know that you have been watching more recently. One of our more recent viewers, I told Alyssa that I would shout you out. So, Mr. Grioli, thank you so much for watching our podcast. We're, we're happy that you've been joining in. And uh, we're happy to be back here today again with, um, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Can a Christian be demon-possessed? I feel it important as I get into this teaching right now, I feel it important to, on this one year anniversary of the podcast, I feel it important to define what is a demonic possession. I think I maybe said it last week, but if I, if I didn't, I'm going to say it this week. A demonic possession is a demon spirit has complete control over an individual. A demon spirit has complete control over the individual. This does not mean that, you know, sometimes the demon spirit can do what it wants and other times, you know, not really. It means if the demon would like to, the demon can do as it pleases with the individual. It's kind of like a parasite. It is the host. The person is the host of the demonic spirit. The person is the host of the demonic spirit. But a lot of Christians have been asking lately, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you what the Bible says. A lot of people that do deliverance ministry will start talking about how, well, my experience with demons is this, and my experience with demons is that. To be quite honest with you, your experience comes second to the word of God. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about it. And... You know, I, I believe the Bible says we'll cast out demons in his name. I believe that there are demonic possessions because the Bible talks about demonic possessions. But let's answer this question short. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? No. That is the answer to the question. No. And I'm going to show you why. I'm not just going to say no, but I'm actually going to say why. Why can a Christian not be demon-possessed? First, I have three for you. Actually, I have four for you. A kingdom divided cannot stand. A kingdom divided cannot stand. A lot of people think that Abraham Lincoln was the one that, that, that said, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln was actually quoting someone who was much greater than him named Jesus Christ. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, or Matthew chapter 12, excuse me, in verse 22, 
It says this, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it this be? Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Yes, it could be. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that in the scripture, but I'm saying it could be because it's facts. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. Ready? He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Hmm. Interesting. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder the house. So in other words, Jesus says, a kingdom divided cannot stand. In other words, Satan does not fight against himself. God does not fight against himself. And God and Satan are not working together. It'd kind of be like, like Nazi Germany and America in World War II. They were on two completely different sides. Clearly Nazi Germany was on the side of evil and America in this scenario was on the side of good. And so you have good and evil. They did not, you know, work together. And, you know, even though they were fighting us a separate sides, it's like, you know, well, they would work together every now and again, and they'd kind of share the same space and share the same territories here and there. And they'd kind of work together. It wasn't like that because they were completely opposed to each other. They were completely opposed to each other in the same way. God and Satan are opposed to each other. The things of God are here and the things of Satan are here. I would say that Satan and God are enemies or that they are their nemesises, but that would almost suggest that Satan even has like a foothold or even has uh, some power against God. And he doesn't, he's completely defeated, but Satan is opposed to God. Satan is the demonic is opposed to the things of God. God and Satan are not working together there. The, uh, I'll get into this in a second, but there's no harmony between the two of them. God and Satan are not working together. They do not share the same space. They do not share the same territory. Demonic spirits come to empty houses. Understand that. Demonic spirits come to empty houses. The Holy Spirit and a demon spirit don't share the same house. A demonic spirit can only come to an empty house. Let me show you why. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. It says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former house empty. Swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. Huh? So Jesus seems to say that an evil spirit comes into an empty house. 
I don't know about you, but if a Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in some is in a house or in a body of a person or in the spirit of a person, if a Holy Spirit is inside of us and dwelling on the inside of a believer, that is not an empty house. That house is occupied. But what Jesus seems to suggest is that an evil spirit will only come into a person, that the house is empty, that there's nothing on the inside of it. I don't know about you again, but the Holy Spirit is not empty and the Holy Spirit is not nothing. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of believers. So therefore, uh, if the Holy, if a demon spirit comes and looks at a house or looks at a person and sees the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, that house is not empty and not for the taking. But if a house is empty, that house is for the taking. That house is able to be occupied by a demonic spirit and can possess that person. Um, understand that there is a fight for your soul, that there is a fight for your soul that is happening. But here's the thing. We're either going to pick God or we're going to pick the devil. And by not picking God, we pick the devil. We pick the enemy. We pick the things of this world. We may not verbally say with our lips, you know, oh, I pick the devil. But the reality is, is that Revelation 3.16 says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but since you are lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. In other words, there's no middle ground. We can't straddle the fence. We can't straddle the gate. There is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. We're either one or we're, we're either on the side of God or not on the side of God. Many people teach that scripture not hot and cold, hot is, is good and cold is bad. But actually Jesus was saying that hot and cold both have their purpose, not spiritually, but like hot and cold water both have their purpose. Uh, there was a, uh, to the church that in Revelation that was being written to, there was a hot spring nearby and a cold spring nearby and both had good purpose. And so Jesus was really saying that uh, when he was saying this through John in Revelation, he was really saying, that I wish that you were of some value, but since you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. There is no lukewarm in the kingdom of, of God, so there is a fight for your soul that's taking place, but you're either going to pick one or the other. It's not that we can have some of the Holy Spirit, but also have a demon living on the inside of us. There's there's no collusion or there's no... um. The, the, there's no uh, teamwork between God and Satan. That's not the, that's not what's happening. So either a person has the demonic spirit and is possessed by Satan, or the person is a Christian, right? Or the person is empty. Those are the options. The person is either empty, not serving God, not possessed by an evil spirit and doesn't have the Holy Spirit, or the person is possessed by by a demon and has no Holy Spirit, or the person has the Holy Spirit. There's no option where it's like, well, they have the Holy Spirit here, but they have a demon living on the inside of them there. It doesn't work like that, because a kingdom divided cannot stand. God is not divided against himself. God is not going to say, you know, well, I'll let the Holy Spirit be here, but we'll kind of let the demon hang out over here. It doesn't work like that. Why else can a Christian not be demon-possessed? So I said that a kingdom divided cannot stand. But second, and this should really answer it. Christ can have no harmony with the devil. Christ can have no harmony with the devil. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says. You can go ahead and turn there. Amen. It says, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? The implicit answer is none, if you read the context. 
you know, I, I hear deliverance ministers right now, like that, not that I'm necessarily any of them watch this, but if they are, well, you know, I guess the answer could be yes. No, if you read the tone of the passage and do basic just understanding of the Bible, the implicit answer is no. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? None. There is no harmony between Christ and the devil. Look at the way the question is even asked. What harmony? What harmony could there be between Christ and the devil? There is none. There is no harmony between Christ and the devil. This should clearly answer the question that no Christ and the devil are not working together. They're not in harmony with each other. There's no agreement. They can't share the same space. If, if Christ has won the, uh, the victory and if the spirit of Christ is in a person, they have victory over every demonic spirit. No harmony between Christ and the devil. They're not working together. They're not sharing the same house. When I say the same house, I mean us, our, our vessel, us as our, 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 um, us, our, our human self. That's what I mean. Our spirit, more specifically, I should actually say. The devil's not controlling, the devil is not controlling us when we have Christ on the inside of us because Christ has no harmony with the devil. Next. We have a kingdom divided cannot stand. We have Christ can have no harmony with the devil. Then we have the spirit in us is greater than he that is in the world. First John 4, 4. And if, if you're an impact, this is your scripture memory verse of the week for small group wars. First John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Saying that someone can be a demon, a demon possessed as a Christian is saying that the Holy Spirit is not greater than the spirit of the world. Think about it for a second. The Holy Spirit will not allow a defeated devil to come and overtake him. That's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit will not allow someone that is redeemed by Christ to be overtaken by a demon spirit. Somebody might say, I've heard deliverance ministers say this. Well, what if I invite it? What if, what if I invite a demonic spirit to come and possess me? What if I play with Ouija boards and I, you know, do all that stuff and I invite a demonic spirit? Let's really ask ourselves this question for a second. If we are inviting a demon to come and possess us, are we really a Christian? The answer is no. Christians are not sitting there going, please possess me, Satan. Christians are not saying that. If someone is genuinely sold out for Christ, they're not going to be inviting Satan to come and to possess them. That shows you the fruit of their heart. If they're wanting Satan to come and possess them, that shows them the fruit of their heart. It's foolishness to say that a Christian can be demonically possessed because the spirit in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the spirit that is in the world. Ask ourselves this question. How can a demon have complete control over an individual who is a Christian? This completely messes with dominion and victory if we say that a demon can come and overtake the Holy Spirit. That would make, if the Holy Spirit can be overtaken by a demon. That would make the demon the strong man. What do I mean by that? Let's read Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 12. Let's go back to that. Matthew chapter 12. And, and this should really just make, make this very clear right here. Matthew chapter 12. It says in verse 29, 
For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who can tie him up and then plunder his house. In other words, Jesus is saying, I can cast out demon spirits because I am the stronger man who can come and tie up that spirit and send it out. But if we're saying that somebody has the Holy Spirit and a demon can just come in and take over, that is saying that the demon is the stronger man, that the demon is stronger than the Holy Spirit. That is so unbiblical. That is so incorrect. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, I knew a guy that was a Christian one time that was demon-possessed, and it, he clearly manifests. I'm sorry, but he was not a Christian if he was genuinely demon-possessed. Well, that's not fair for you to make that judgment. Actually, it, it is because the Bible teaches us about the fact that, the Bible teaches us about the fact that Christians have a spirit that is greater than the spirit that is of the world. And it teaches us that Christ can have no uh, part of the devil, that Christ and the devil are not working together. We have to stop weighing our experience greater than the word of God. People get in trouble with this when it comes to divine healing. People get in trouble with this when it comes with prosperity. They have trouble with all of these areas because, well, I experienced this. It doesn't really matter what you've experienced in the sense that it doesn't make it true. Just because, well, let's go back to this one right here. Well, actually, I won't say that one because that, that one we go here all the time. I'm going to go here. Just because we feel like murdering someone does not mean that we were created to murder. Just because we feel like murdering someone doesn't mean that we should murder somebody. That just because we've experienced something, a feeling or experienced some type of thing in our life does not mean that it is the truth of God's word. We need to take God's word and make our experience submit to his word. We have to keep believing God until our experience submits to his word. It's just simply incorrect to say that a Christian could be demonically possessed. If someone claims to be demonically possessed and you know them to be a genuine Christian, ensure them that they are not demonically possessed. You know, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody, I've seen videos of, de of people that are supposedly demon possessed, but they're like, you know, these weak things that like can't even move their body and, you know, try to hit, but can't really hit. If someone is demonically possessed, a demon is going to come ripping and roaring because demons are, demons have a strength to them. They have a supernatural strength. And the Bible shows us this, um, that there was a demon who was bound and you can look this story up in the Bible just to see that I'm being genuine and being truthful. But there's a story of the Bible about a man who was demonically possessed, who was bound in many chains, and he just ripped the chains right, right out of the chains, supernaturally, like supernatural strength. But when we have Christ, we have a greater strength in the Holy Spirit who can go into the house of a strong man and plunder his goods. Only someone who is even stronger, and that is Christ, the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is stronger than he that is in the world. Also, we know in point number four right here, why can a Christian not be demon possessed? Christians are never once instructed to cast out demons. Or, or let me say that again. Christians are never once instructed to cast demons out of themselves or other people or other Christians rather. They're never instructed to cast a demon out of themselves. And somebody might argue, well, that's foolishness. Nobody casts a demon out of themselves. Okay, fine. But Christians are never instructed to cast demons out of other Christians. We don't see that in the scripture. The people that come to Jesus are not Christians are not, or rather that uh, obviously at that time, nobody necessarily was a quote unquote Christian. 
But these people were not God-fearing people. In, the, in uh, Acts, the people that are being uh, having demons in them, they're not Christians. A Christian cannot have a demon. Look at how the Bible says that Christians are to deal with Satan. James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist him, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We are instructed to take a stand against the devil, to resist him and watch him flee. We're never once instructed about, you know, sometimes a demon will overtake you. It might possess another brother. There are no instructions about that in the scripture. Something that a a, uh, a person that is big into Christians being demon-possessed uh, will argue is, well, don't you believe that a Christian can be demon-oppressed? And I do believe that a Christian can be demonically oppressed. Well, the Bible never says that, they would say. The Bible never says that a Christian can be demonically oppressed. Actually, it does. Uh, the Bible does show about oppressions in the scripture. It's very clear. Well, the Bible doesn't even say anything about demonic oppressions. Nowhere. You can't even find it in the scripture. That's actually not true. People say that, yes, there are many recordings of possessions, but there actually is a scripture that clearly uses the word oppression. Acts 10.38. Let's look at what Acts 10.38 says about oppression. While I'm turning there, I'm going to show you that a Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but they can be demonically oppressed. I'll explain what that means in a second. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were, what? Oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All who were oppressed by the devil, oppressed by the devil. And when you actually do a study on that word oppressed, it means to oppress. Uh, but uh, when you do a study on that word oppressed, uh, it actually, like I'm being serious, like if you actually do a study on it, like the Greek translation is, is oppressed. It talks about um, the idea of, of something trying to, be in, uh, trying to be put on a person. And that's what oppression is, is something trying to be put on you that is not of God, that God does not desire from you. Something that tries to steal, that tries to kill, that tries to destroy you. Anything that tries to possess us, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, anything that tries to come on us that is not of God is, uh, as a Christian, is an oppression. A possession is when it completely controls you. It's where a demon spirit completely controls you. A demonic oppression might be uh, some type of severe sickness that controls your life. That is an oppression. It might be depression and anxiety uh, that, that are on you. That is an oppression. But just because someone has depression and anxiety does not automatically mean that they are demonically possessed. There is a difference between possession and oppression. There is a clear difference between possession and oppression. But again, the short answer, can a Christian be demon-possessed? No, they cannot, and they cannot for the reasons that I just listed to you in the scripture. We have no evidence of a Christian being demon-possessed, and again, what harmony can God or what can Christ have with the devil? The answer is none. Christ and the devil can have no part of each other. 
So if you're wondering if you're possessed and you know that you've given your life to Christ, no, you're not possessed by a demon. Don't let anybody tell you that you are. You're not possessed. If you're not sure where you stand with Christ and you know, you're diagnosed with, I don't know, like I, I heard of a girl diagnosed with blackout syndrome because she randomly, you know, just all of a sudden, you know, was not in control of her actions and forgot everything. And then people would say, even while she was blacked out, that she was, that she was still walking around doing stuff. That's a demonic possession right there, that type of thing. But people are so quick to, you know, look for demons over every single doormat. They like pick up this thing on the demon here, demon there, you know, uh, what, what is that old McDonald had a farm, you know, here a demon, there a demon, everywhere a demon, demon, like, you know, it's, it's not like that. Like we don't have to go demon hunting. Demons will manifest themselves. I talked about that last week. We don't have to go demon hunting as Christians. You cannot be possessed as a Christian. That is the bottom line. That is what the Bible teaches. And anybody that teaches otherwise is honestly messing with the doctrine of victory and messing with the doctrine of dominion that is taught in the Bible. We have all dominion over every demonic spirit and it cannot do anything to us. And if you are starting to quote unquote, allow it to do something to you in the sense that we're opening doors to Ouija boards and all that nonsense right there, that's a problem. And that, that really reveals the fruit of our lives if we really are opening a door for straight up demonic possession. I know Christians that have messed around with, you know, a Ouija board here or have, you know, done something here and they start to feel a heaviness that comes on their life, but they're not possessed. But if a Christian continues down that path and keeps on sinning, and keeps on doing that and not turning to God, then eventually that Christian will, will lose their salvation and they can be demon-possessed. And yes, that is biblical. A Christian can lose their salvation, but that's a topic for another time. So no, a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. That is the short of it. I hope that that blessed you, that teaching. I hope that it encouraged you to know that, no, I have all authority over every type of demon and every type of uh, spirit that is, that is contrary to the spirit of God because I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. Uh, I hope that answers the questions that you might have had. And if you never had that question, now you know the answer if you're ever presented with that. Uh, I'm going to pray for you guys now. And um, uh, I, I hope that uh, you take this into action and actually execute uh, authority over the demonic like I taught last week in dealing with the demonic. And hope that you know that there aren't, you know, demons living on the inside of you. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this uh, group of listeners that are watching now. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be with them. Father, that you would confirm this word in, in uh, their spirit. Father, that they would diligently search the scriptures to find out the truth of your word. Father, they wouldn't just take my word for it, but they believe the witness inside of them, your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit in you being greater than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the one-year anniversary of the Uncanceled podcast. Happy birthday, Uncanceled. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled podcast. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.